Well, boys, I'm not quite sure how to feel on this one. We're coming to you five days after a Dallas Cowboys victory, a double-digit road victory uh, against the New Orleans Saints, who have an excellent defense. And I feel like if you told me at the beginning of the year, like, hey, on short rest, their third game in like 12 days, the Dallas Cowboys are going to go into New Orleans and beat the Saints 27-17, I would have been very okay with that. And yet, I came out of this game feeling not super great, which is maybe I've just been spoiled by the beginning of the year. I don't know. How would you guys feel? Well, Anthony, there's one thing that you forgot, and I'm going to remind both of you and our listeners. The great Dominic Toretto once said, it doesn't matter if you win by inch or a mile. Winning's winning. He was correct on that. And that's all it's about. That's all it's about right there. So, um. For real though, yeah, it was it was pretty shitty, but you know what? It was it was never in doubt in my mind, which was nice. It was just like a we were just up kinda kept seventeen waiting. points like in yeah. the fourth quarter of this game. Like we were now a lot of that comes down to the fact that Taysom Hill is just not an NFL quarterback. Like I cannot believe they paid this man forty million dollars. That is the heist of the century. Um, if they if I'm really concerned if they did but the Patriots just did on Monday night and they ran the ball with Taysom Hill 40 times. I think they might've beat us. Yeah. It, it I, I would like to so think that we would have just eventually like stacked the box on that. And Mike, like Micah and tank together could have done some damage, but yeah, that's a, that's a easily could have happened for sure. Their only Zach, offense your, was him. Power run. You know, I'm glad we won, but it does not bode well for how much more we can win in the future. Fair assessment. This was not a good win. We Against a beat-up Saints team, we should have won a lot easier. Taysom Hill should not have been able to just bully us in the third quarter like he did. It Defensively, was... it's weird to say because the defense put in like a, a, a decent performance as far as takeaways and stuff. Uh, I'm That said, like... The defensive side of things actually concerns me maybe a little more. I mean, offense did not play well. They only scored two touchdowns. But I can wrap my head around an offense that has been having trouble recently stuttering against a, a good Saints defense. Like, the Saints have guys. They played really well. They are a, a good NFL defense. Um, top top 10 in a bunch of categories. Um, it is. It was very strange that Taysom Hill was so effective against us. That was that was concerning. We have had issues against the run all year. Yeah, particularly running quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Darnold put on a show in the first half of that game. Like, if we run into like the Ravens or something, like that, that would be pretty scary. Denver was a bad one for us because they can run. Like, I I, yeah. I really do think any team that can power. Like, I bet if we played the Niners, we'd be favored, and I would be scared shitless that they would just agreed. Shanahan gimmicky runs on us all day long and we wouldn't be able to stop it. Um, personally, I'm more concerned about the offense, uh, yeah, yeah, because they had six three and outs in this one, and at one point, Pollard and Zeke had I think 10 touches for 20 yards, and <laughs> Taysom Hill had like nine for 90 or something. They put up that graphic, Zach. Remember, we were joking about, yeah, um. The, the running is really bad. I know Pollard eventually broke a big one, and now everybody 
loves him again. And look, it was a very well blocked play and ran. I'm I'm surprised they didn't try and run to the outside more. That seems what most fans were clamoring for. But golly, they can't run up the middle at all right now. Yeah, and they seem to stubbornly stick to that. So let me let me do this. I have uh two takes, and I'm gonna read both of them to you guys, and I want to hear which one of these takes you think is the more accurate version of events during this game. Okay, take number one. The Dallas Cowboys on the road in a hostile environment against a good defense won by double digits. There were issues with play calling, blocking, and QB play consistency, but overall, a win is a win. There are no style points in pro football. Take number two. The Dallas Cowboys, for another consecutive week, could not find rhythm on offense. They struggled to move the ball and score points. While a double-digit win on the road is certainly better than a loss, the continued struggle to utilize the clear talent advantage they have over most teams is concerning in the long run. Ooh. I'll let Zach go first. I'm going to go with the later. It's definitely the later one. I'm much more worried about this than I am excited. Fair. It's say I cannot understand why we still have Ezekiel Elliott playing right now. Like he was <laughs> limping after plays. Like I'm not kidding. I'm like I'm not saying like oh Zeke, this is just Zeke sucks. Like he's clearly injured. He would get up from a two yard run and be limping back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and we're still giving him the ball, and it's not like he's powering through it either. He had one of his worst games of his career. I, I gotta think part like, of it is like the look that they're giving opposing defenses. Like when Pollard's on the field, you almost know Pollard is getting the ball. When Zeke is on the field. Zeke might be getting the ball, but he's also an integral part of the pass blocking game, things like that. That could be part of it. I agree with you though. Like I would prefer Zeke carries. Yeah. I I mean I guess they from what they see in practice, they they are I, I can't imagine they're just stupid, right? There's gotta be like they think he can be effective or whatever. But yeah, it is a question mark at this point because uh he does look severely debilitated i don't and i'm not saying i mean everyone knows i'm like the biggest zeke defender there is um i would have rather seen zeke like take a week or two off and and get right rather than do this i think they're gonna deforce his hand if they want to because he's gonna one thing you will say about zeke is he's he takes pride in his availability and playing through yeah i I mean mean, i heard no one even confronted him about this like no one asked him if he wanted to said at all well and broadest you know said that uh like beat writers you know around the team were asked uh you know some of the coaches like hey why is zeke playing why and and one of them looked at him and goes yeah you go tell zeke he's not playing this week see how that works out so i get the feeling that guy doesn't want to come off Ah. the field um i'll give it to andy though uh what he said uh I, i do think some of it is pass pro zeke's a very good pass protector i think they wanted to air at air it out more in this one um but they just couldn't sustain drives i mean they would run dude this offense man was very scott linehan-esque like that's what i felt like i was watching like that game was kellen moore in a scott linehan mask because we would run one yard gain on first down two yard gain on second down incomplete pass on third and seven rinse repeat i came away I'm, I'm, i'm actually glad we're having this podcast a couple days removed from the actual game because I feel like this gave me some time to kind of bring a more level-headed analysis to the situation than I would have had we potted like Friday morning or Friday evening after this game. 
Um, I tried to really come away with what I think are the issues that we're seeing on the offensive side of the ball and condense it down into three main issues. So I want to give you guys these three issues and get your thoughts on them. Okay, issue number one, uh, there is something weird going on with Kellen Moore. Uh, in the first eight weeks of the season, the Cowboys had motion at the snap on 73% of plays. In the last five weeks, it's 22% of plays. They've gone to a very static, more diagnosable offensive attack. Uh, he's being much more conservative in third and long situations, and he stubbornly Whenever he decides to get quote unquote creative, he like sticks to that no matter what. So the example I'll give you is uh, the Cowboys ran a flea flicker in this game. Oh, yeah. And it probably, it probably would have been effective. But so they tried to run the flea flicker three plays earlier and Malcolm Jenkins came unblocked. And so Tony Pollard, instead of throwing it back to Zach, Dak, he like turned and looked and then saw Malcolm Jenkins coming. And so then he just ran. Uh, that allowed the Saints to say, oh, like they are attempting to do a flea flicker on us. They rotated to two deep. And then Kellen called the flea flicker anyway, three plays later. Um, you know, I think a lot of the props that we were giving Kellen earlier in the year were based around like he aggressively takes what the defense gives him. Like he wasn't trying to enforce, yes. impose his will on the other team. He was like finding their weaknesses and exploiting them significantly and i think we've seen him go away from that so that's issue number one issue number two uh the offensive line is not operating efficiently whether it's been the continuous shuffle of the guys at uh left guard left tackle right tackle or something else the offensive line is not giving dak or zeke the same looks they were getting through the first two months through eight weeks dak was getting pressured on just 26 percent of snaps that has risen to 44 percent in the last month Similarly, between Zeke's injury and the, his decline in production uh, and, and the decline in production of the offensive line, uh, we have almost zero running attack on, on a down-by-down -down basis. Uh, obviously, Paul had ripped off that huge one, but like Ben highlighted, like that wasn't indicative of their overall running performance uh, for most of it. Um, forcing It forces us into a one-dimensional play style and thereby forces Dak into continual third and longs against extra db sets um another thing I'll, I'll add to that one is that uh not only are we not running effectively but uh dak is also losing all the uh kind of all the advantages of a, of a good run attack and some of these first down runs up the middle uh are effectively burned plays like they're they're for no yards or they're for one yard. And that, that basically puts you into, you know, you almost just basically burned a, a down. Um, so that's, that's definitely been a significant issue. Uh, and then issue number three are lingering injuries. I think having sat and watched uh, every throw from Dax Thursday night game, he's not planting on his calf injured foot all the way through. Uh, he's also full stop refusing to run the ball regardless of situation. So on the very first play of this game, Dak had like 15 yards of room. He could have just slid for at least seven or eight yards. And instead he tried to fire a ball uh, into like traffic to get it to CD who continues to have issues around contested catches. He operates incredibly well in space, but when it's a contested ball, he seems to have trouble. Um, you combine that with the play calling issues, the line issues, and 
what seems to be like a continued miscommunication with some of the wide receivers that covers like drops and stuff too. But the big play I'll bring up is the fourth down uh, they went for earlier in the game. Um, Dak and, and CD were just not on the same page. Dak clearly thought he was going to go to the inside where there had all the space in the world. CD went to the outside. So Dak ends up putting the ball over the wrong shoulder. Um, if CD goes to that side instead, I think he had a good shot at housing this one. And it was actually a really good play design by Kellen. Um, but they're just not on the same page. And so then you go from a potential touchdown to a, a four and out. Um, so you add all that together and you get a pretty hamstrung offense. That's what I, I see continuously. Um, they're just not finding rhythm. They're one dimensional. They're not when they, even when they are trying to air it out that Dak and the receivers aren't always on the same page. There's drop issues. Um, and I think that what I've learned is that Amari Cooper is really, really valuable to this offense. I mean, we knew that, but like, I think we kind of came into this being like, Hey, we're a three headed monster, like Gallup, Amari CD. Like we have two number ones and a number two. Like as long as two of those three are on the field, they'll ball out. I think of those, first of all, obviously like Amari and CD are your number ones. I think Amari is really the better receiver at like tight window catches, things like that. Um, I don't know if CD will, I'm not saying CD won't become everything Amari is and more. It's just that right now it seems like Amari seems to make the big catch in the big moment, whereas CD still tends to have some shortcomings there. Um, although he did have that nasty hook screen that on their one well, really good I, I drive, was gonna which say, is nasty. Their one drive, you saw the best of all three of them, right? You had the Amari run a beautiful little route, catch one right up the seam there and had like a 42-yard catch. Then you had the little bubble screen to CD, got him in space. He almost scored, and then he threw Dak through the nastiest two-yard touchdown, which I'm not sure still how Gallup got two feet in so easily. Like that was the best of Gallup's each of them. The best jump ball receiver we have. And yeah, I mean that, that was the best any team would have. <laughs> that was the best of each of them, and you know I I, I don't know which of those points to begin on. I I just want to jump in there to 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 at least say that, but it does. <laughs> I, I don't like I, I agree that Amari's probably the most useful receiver they have as far as I'm not even saying he's the best. I just feel like he's so useful and crucial to what they they try to do. Like I the think the other guys have their have a, a really defined role that they excel at. And Amari I think Amari excels most at like physical corners, and we brought this up that this is what a few teams have done to Dallas lately where they press these guys right up off the line. And we've seen, like you said, they struggle to either get celebrate uh, uh, separation or they struggle to make contested catches. Amari's the one guy or the best guy. I think that can has such a clean release that he's hard to be pressed and therefore yeah, Dak can go separation. So Dak and Dak can get it to him quickly. And when he's not been on the field, then they really have to rely on CD or Gallup making a, a tough play. And we've seen, I mean, Dak through his career, one of the reasons, you know, him and Dez, I don't think ever vibed. And we talked about this, Andy, was, you know, Dez, Dez wasn't a great route runner and separation artist, but Dez was the king of contested catches. And Dak didn't yep. like throwing those contested balls, right? 50-50 balls, yeah. Yeah, like he didn't, he didn't like the, he's never been a great, I don't say great, but he's never loved to throw the back shoulder face. His, yeah, he's his specialty has never been like the, I mean, I will say that in this game, and again, this is why it's so confounding, because 
that one none of the yet. stuff we're describing is continuous like they all have spurts of playing bad and spurts of playing good like Dak had some throws in this game that i was like damn like there was that one uh quick slant over the middle to cd where he was like covered in real tight coverage yeah insanely well covered and Dak threw the ball so accurately that cd almost didn't make a catch it like like cd was running and it like hit him in the crook of the arm so all he had to do was like curl his arm and he had the ball like it was crazy um and then other uh, times Dak seems to struggle to make a routine pass it's very strange I don't know if it's routine pass. You know, Sturm, Bob Sturm on Twitter was breaking down some of the all-22s, and he he highlighted one play where Dak wound up throwing to the outside to, I believe, Gallup when CD was running NFL open, I'll say, down the stream. Like, you know, a good ball, yeah. and it's probably a, a huge game, and Dak just didn't see it. Um, so he seems a little off, and I don't know if this is a Kellen thing or Dak thing, but there were two weird plays that stuck out to me. One was in the fourth quarter. We're trying to put this away when the defense started taking picks. And we run like a slant to Zeke covered by Marshawn yeah. Lattimore. So their top corner guy with our kind of banged up receive, you know, running back who's never Probably been a great receiver. one of the 10 receiver. best man corners in the NFL against a pretty Hobbled good <laughs> receiver back who has one leg. And then they did the same thing on a third down where they targeted Noah Brown one-on-one with Marshawn Lattimore. And I was like, man, we just, I don't know if that's him going to his second or third read, but I just, I hated both of those. That just doesn't, if you're trying to make a play, it just seems like try somewhere else, try someone else on that. Something I was noticing during that game is that Dak was just staring down his throws. Like if you watch that again, like he'll snap the ball. He'll be looking in one direction the entire time until he throws it. And he throws it that direction. He does that a lot. One thing that I, I have noticed is just like I, I mentioned the like I do feel like Kellen has started to go into I don't know if it's games or quarters or drives or individual plays with like I'm gonna do this and it doesn't matter what the situation turns into, I'm gonna do this. Dak uh has developed and I think that this is something I mean he he even called attention to this that Ever since this kind of bad streak began, Dak has been trying to throw a haymaker on every play. Like he's effectively trying to like go for a knockout punch on every single play. Whereas the beginning of the year, it was a lot more like taking what the defense, you know, we keep using the same verbiage, but like take what the defense gives you, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he Um, just looked, he looked so flawless early in the year. And he what, but but you made like so confident. And it it feels, we see it in, in fleeting moments now, right? And then we yeah. see some really puzzling moments. It feels um, like he's pre- he's pressing. Month. It also I also do notice that like man, the the protection just lets him down so badly at some moments in this game. Well, that's going back um, to you, you. You know, you said it was all kind of kind of everything, and I wonder just how much of that is his injury, and how much of it is he is he not trusting his line and how much of it does he feel really uncomfortable without Amari Cooper? Like how I saw a clip from the Raiders game of. Terrence Steele getting dominated so bad that Terrence Steele and uh, who's that good guy on the Raiders that caused all that trouble? Who? Their DN. Oh no, the the good DN they have. Max Crosby. Max yeah. Crosby. Yeah. He dominated uh, Terrence Steele so badly that he 
cult, like pushed Terrence Steele and Max Crosby onto Dak, like almost ended our season, like by getting beat so badly. Um, there's just been a, a couple like protection plays over the last couple weeks where I, I could definitely, I can definitely tell that Dak is no longer as comfortable in the pocket as he was at the end of the year because of these incidents. Um, and I'm sure that trickles down into his own play where he's like kind of freaking out internally. Um, so yeah, it does. It, I can't put it on any one particular thing. Cause I, I see problems but, everywhere. I see problems with the play calling. I see problems with Dak. I see problems with the run game. I see problems with the protection. I see problems with the receivers. Um, none of them are playing at a level where I'm like, well, they're not the problem. You know, the O-line problem started when we took Connor Williams out. I, hate I to think say before, it, but it's, it's a, no, it's, it, they started when Tyron Smith got hurt to be fair. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a little more accurate. All right. I, I mean, that, you, you guys don't. Zach, want is, Zach is now Zach has now become a a Connor oh. Williams truther, but no, I don't think we should put him back. But I know it's the correlation. It worries, <laughs> it worries me that taking him out because I don't think he deserves to be on the line. I, I I honestly don't think that there's that much of a difference between Connor Williams and Connor McGovern from a blocking standpoint. I think McGovern gets you two less penalties per game, and that's really all I care about. Now, what I is concerning to me is that it seems like Terrence Steele has become a shadow of his former self once he got like shifted yes. to left and then back to right. He did not look good at right tackle either. Um, so I think you have to keep Lael there going forward, and you just pray that Tyron doesn't get hurt. So, um, you know – Talking about O-line, you know, I don't know if you guys watch this, but Kurt Warner, you know, every week will yeah, like, break I saw down this. on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and he broke down basically the last game with Dak, and he hammered really a lot of the points you said, Andy, so I, so I didn't bring it up. But he he, he basically said, one, he, Dak's not using his legs as much, not trusting them, and two, he's not trusting his line. So he's in this really weird and not staying with reads all the way because he can't trust here. He doesn't feel like he can trust his line. So he's rolling out. And then when he rolls out, he's not as confident using those feet to fully take off or run downfield. So as soon as he starts getting happy feet, he's just not making the, the throws he was. Yeah. And I, I like the whole week when I've been talking to people about this game, I'm like, we are all just slaves to recency bias for sure. Like, Oh yeah. Especially if, in the NFL. They, I mean, the Patriots are the best team oh, yeah. in the world again. So, I mean, it's, oh, it's I, like, this morning I literally <laughs> saw, I literally saw some article that was like the most likely Super Bowl: bucks versus Pats. I was like, bro, if the Patriots go to the Super Bowl, that is truly a bad sign for the AFC. <laughs> like, um, but I, I do think like, if the Cowboys went out and put and hung 40 on Washington this weekend, which they totally could, we know they have the capability and the talent. If they go out and do that, like I'm going to be of a totally different mind than I am right now. Um, I do hope they feature Pollard more than Zeke this week. I think that that needs to happen. Um, at least just from a like workload standpoint of like 60, 40 split needs to go the other direction. Now um, when you give it to Pollard, you have a chance of actually making gains. God damn, Zach! Look, I told I'm you, like, I, I told you, Zach has gone full, full, full Pollard train again. No, like, I'm, I, I'm I too, I too have been, you're, I too am in favor of Pollard. Down at this point, 
See, I told you he called it a waste of a down. Now, if you need, uh, it's like a third and one, fourth and one, maybe. Then, then it's useful to give Z. He'll probably get you that one yard. Otherwise, I mean, dude, his maximum uh, thin is gonna be three. Bro, like, I okay, I don't want to like fight with you, but like outside of that one long run, Pollard had identical percent, like per, identical production. Like it's but it's not that just run. that one's. Yeah, I I agree. Like with I know you. I I mean, he, I, right I'm now he can definitely like, do oh, that. Pollard. Pollard needs to replace Zeke. Fire Zeke. Pollard's good. We're good, Pollard. Like, I don't that think That sounds Pollard like what has, you're saying. I'm saying that Pollard has a chance. Pollard is playing better than Zeke right now is what I'm Pollard saying. Pollard for sure yeah, has a certain. chance for the home run. And it seems like right now they are having trouble making holes on that line. And so, yes, well, and, Pollard and that was a That team. was a weird piece of the Kellen equation, too. Like, the insistence on running up the gut when the Saints had clearly figured out a good way to block that it kind of takes away. I mean, obviously you have Zach Martin in there, but like the interior of your offensive line is definitely your weak spot with McGovern and Biotish. When we ran to the outside, that's where all your yards came from. Even Zeke's longest run of the game, which was like 10 or 12 yards came yeah. on an outside stretch run. Pollard busted his long one on the outside. All the good runs came on the outside. And for some reason, we decided, like, no, we're only going to do that five or six times, and we're going to run up the gut every single time into the teeth of their defense. It didn't seem to make sense to me. Was this the worst Kellen Moore game? Mm, I I have a fun long list of those, but I, I think this one. It I think this is this is at least the worst that I've noticed. It's just strange to me because it's just like, man, I keep like logically, I keep looking at it, and I'm like. Like I said, at the beginning of the year, if you told me that we won this game 27-17, I'd be totally fine with that. I've celebrated 12 to 10 wins over the Saints in New Orleans before. Like, I think I've become – I truly got ruined by those first seven, eight weeks of the year. Like, we, we just looked it was so dominant. With Tyson Hill and uh, Tyson Hill in, and no Alvin Kamara, and they throw more – he throws more than Dak does. He throws for more yards than Dak. Yeah, most of that was that a seventy-five yard garbage TD, but yes, um, yeah. But I will say, you know, I don't know. It, it's a weird one because the game was never in question. It is in New Orleans. Now that said, they've lost six straight or five straight now for the first time in Sean Payton's career in New Orleans. Five straight losses for the Saints, so they're clearly playing like shit right now. Um, I, I don't know how much to take away from this game other than they won. Like they're 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 struggling. You know, look at some of these teams though. Like the Chiefs are still the Chiefs have won six straight and they're just they don't look good. I mean, they just beat Denver twenty two to nine. Mahomes threw for like a buck eighty. Lost me my fantasy matchup against Goat. Um, so I don't know. Like there's plenty of teams winning that that aren't doing it in pretty ways. You have to be able to win ugly. Pretty much every team in the NFL this year is sus. Like there's no team this year where you're just like that's a powerhouse. They can they'll beat anyone on any given week. Like I think everyone has had stretches like we're having, and everyone has had uh, all the contenders have had runs of dominance too. So it's it's kind of up in the air. I mean the Packers are probably in my opinion leading the pack. Uh, no pun intended, but um, yeah. I mean I will say that like there was there the. I took some positives from this game. It was awesome to see Tank back in the lineup. I thought he looked great. Absolutely. He, um, I thought he – I was pissed that he got robbed of a sack fumble and fumble recovery, which he absolutely should have had. It was a bullshit call. 
Um, but the fact that he's making plays, awesome. Dude, the Micah Parsons sack in this game. <laughs> it's just the Micah appreciation. So freakish, dude. So freakish. Like you could see in Taysom Hill's body language that he was shocked at how quickly Micah closed the distance between the two of them. He was like, oh, Micah, I'll be able to like get a pass off or like pull it down and run. And then by the time he made that decision, Micah was on him. Like, he pumped and Micah didn't even flinch, just gunned him down. And that was when the game was still kind of in question. You know, we hadn't the, pulled away. The sounds of the sideline from that moment are you see Micah do that play and they cut back to the, the bench and – CD is talking to the wide receivers coach and he's like, Oh, I love this. dude. Micah is so damn fast, dude. He's a young LT. And then he's like, you, you were around when LT was here. Does he remind you of him? And the wide receivers coach is like, yeah, <laughs> like he does, which is awesome. And overall the defense definitely made plays. Um, they did have trouble against the, the Taysom Hill run show. Um, but largely I, I can't complain about a game where they have, you know, Four interceptions. Uh, Diggs got in on the act. Uh, the the pick six by Carlos Watkins was awesome. Uh, Curse and Kazi both got in on it. So they they definitely made the plays that needed to be made. I do think there is a degree in the NFL, way more so than college, where you you play to the level of your competition. Games have a life of their own a little bit. Um, and yeah, so, I mean we we just saw Minnesota beat the Packers and lose to the Viking or lose to Detroit and back. to Yeah, weeks. exactly. So it's a very, every game is its own zone its beast. Um, or two weeks, but it is a, the in, Dak did have his one interception. Lattimore got one kind of bullshitty because Dak got smacked in the eyes while he was releasing the ball, which sucked, but it that should it have is. been, I said that was Zach too. I said that, that for sure should have been a penalty. He got hit in the head too. I'm really wondering that just seemed like a bad idea from the get go. Wherever he was looking and aiming, even from the, I saw like the the all twenty two zoom out, and I just I didn't see what he was seeing there. Like I think even if his head doesn't get hit, I'm not saying that's a pick, but that was a bad. I've idea. seen I've seen deck I've seen deck fit balls into tight spaces before, but yeah, that was definitely not a. It wasn't a wide open play for sure. Uh, but yeah, it sucks when something that that blatant happens, and you're just like, where's the call on this shit, man? So. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, now the the Saints got their own taste of it. The uh, blindside block call, which <laughs> was, was really very bad. questionable. I didn't really understand what they were seeing there. I thought it was a helmet to helmet call initially, and then that they were like, made no, more a blindside block call. Um, and then the NFL did drive. the NFL did their favorite thing, which is to like make some huge call like that, and then the next day come out and be like, "Hey guys, we shouldn't have done that." You're like, thanks. Yeah, that's usually oh, that. Usually they have a ref back up why it was the right call, but this time, yeah, that was well. They, I, the one I always think of is like, I'll never forget being in my office at Oracle when the, the, the headline broke that like it was like 18 months later, and they were like, the NFL has agreed that Des Bryant did catch that ball against Green Bay. I'm like, oh, thank you. That, oh, now, now I can sleep at night, you fuckers. They did it so. even more lawyery. They're like, by the new rules, it is a catch. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> co- they definitely covered their bases on that one. So, yeah, That's overall, uh, definitely like I, I would like we highlighted from the beginning, it's a sloppy win, two offensive touchdowns, one of which is a 58-yard house call by Pollard. So it's not like you're sustaining a ton of like te- high technical drives. They win 27-17. It does tie 
the Cowboys' highest ever score in the Superdome. Uh, they come away with a double-digit win. I'll take it. Uh, I would have obviously liked to see a much better performance. Um, but most points would... uh, Dak's ever scored against the Dennis Allen defense. So he's a he's 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 been a Cowboy uh, kryptonite for for a few years there. So all right, well I'll certainly take that. Um, and it does set up an interesting run of these next three games. Uh, so Dallas is eight. You guys, uh, you want to do Star Love Goat real quick? Yes, absolutely. Star Love Goat, you know it by now to our loyal listeners, um, basically our players of the game. I shall go first, the walk star star of the game. And uh, I don't know, this one might be uh, controversial. We, we may have to change some rules. Um, I was really trying to decide. It was, it was a strange game. You know, I easily could give it to Micah. Um, once again, that guy's awesome. I know we didn't spend as long of a segment on him this time, but it, it's really weird now when he doesn't make a huge play. Um, five yeah. straight games with a sack. I think he's got six and a half or seven and a half in his last five games. I mean, he really could get to he really could get to like 13 this year. I think he could get the record, dude. If he keeps playing like he is, the record's 14 and a half. I for think a rookie? Get there. Yeah. yeah, for a rookie. It's by Javon Curse, the freak, related to our own J Rod. Who's playing some good ball too? I love some J Rod. Yeah, um, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, I at this point, like I said, it's weird when he's not noticeably making an impact on the defense. You know, I always feel like Tank's always done kind of that grimy work that doesn't show up. You know, in the stat sheets. But Micah just even the stat sheets seems to show up every single. He's week, everywhere, so. dude. He's everywhere. Um, kid's so damn good man i just i just i wanted to reiterate that um i love how to... much i love how much our opposing fan bases like the like the eagles the giants like i've seen them all over the internet being like we had a shot at this guy he should be a giant he should be an eagle i love it that he's not i would hate it if micah parsons was a giant or an eagle i did see an eagles fan and it's not their fault because we weren't gonna try but they they traded up for devonta smith still thinks a, a decent pick for them um, and someone goes, great. We gave Dallas an extra third to take Micah fucking Parsons. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's a good deal for us. Um, so I could have give it to him. Shout out to my boy, Trayvon Diggs, another interception. Um, he's hitting double digits this year. Sick. You know, he, he doesn't seem to have had the kind of the hoopla that came with the, all the picks early in the year, especially with some of those bad games. Yeah, because he's been exposed, dude. Hey, that's the word on the street. It's the word on the street. Um, but he had a really sick pick. Taysom, I don't know what Taysom was thinking. I think he thought he could throw it over his head, and he just had no chance yeah. of doing that. Uh, great pick by Diggs, so just want to shout well, him out. Especially too. with that finger injury, Taysom was like coming up short on a, quite a few mm-hmm. balls, it seemed. Yeah, he had a for sure touchdown on that one drive in the third quarter that he just short armed. Um, kind yep. of saved our asses. Um, but my player of the game is not a player. It is the walk star star of the game. I want you to remember it, it is DQ motherfucking Dan Quinn with the backwards hat taking over head coach duty and DC ability. Loved it. I love that win for DQ. And he stayed after the game. Do you see him in the tunnel? High-fived every one of them boys when they came back out. Uh, I was too busy paying it. attention to Dak and Jeff Heath broing it up on the field. That was, but That was sick. It's, it's nice to see DQ get some love, man. I mean, as, so, as yeah, fans, anyway. I think we like vastly 
uh, undersell like how important head coaches are and all the position coaches. Like those guys do a lot of work on game day. Oh yeah. And so, um, (laughs) while I'm not like convinced that Mike McCarthy's some like offensive or defensive genius, like I do think missing him and like half the assistants on the staff for this game probably played some level of role that we're unaware of. Um, and the way all the guys stepped up and did their job, that's awesome. That's what you Yeah, need. and like I said, I I I don't want anything that I said there to disparage McCarthy. I'm not a I'm not a McCarthy hater. I I appreciate him and what he's done this year. But anyway, I just had to give love to my boy DQ and rocking the backwards hat. I knew we were I knew we were golden at that point. Boys. Hell yeah, Zach. Who's the love of the game? I'm just gonna go with Micah Parsons. That's really. I was waiting for a soliloquy on Tony Pollard. <laughs> No, uh, you know, I do. I am curious about giving him runs at running back, though. Just curious about it. I would love to see Mike get some. I'll tell you what, on one down of this game, the camera angle was weird, and uh, Amari was lined up like uh, on the bottom half of the screen. And because of the angle, the one nine looked like one one. And I was like, holy shit, is Micah in a red zone package right now? And then it was Amari. I was God, like, okay. I mean, that's I fine, obviously. That. But yeah, I, that just say, I am give me the Bernie Sanders meme treatment. I am once again asking, please <laughs> put Micah Parsons on offense for for, oh. for a red zone play. Hell I mean, yeah. There's a lot to say, but I'll just ask. Is Micah Parsons the best NFL player we have on the Cowboys? Ooh. No. He's the best uh, defensive player, I think, now, for sure. That's fair. I mean, I don't know. You could still probably say Tanker Randy, but I think Micah's ceiling is I think, just so high. I think, Micah's, I think Micah's better than Randy, at least, for right now. Yeah. Uh, and I say that as the Whoa. biggest Randy lover of all time, yeah. Um, I mean, Ra- I Randy's, say, Randy's never had a 10-sack season. Like, I'm going to say Zach Martin because he's literally an all-pro that's fair. Zach Martin is like a decade deep of getting all pro every fucking like year. He's it's hard to overcome. The best guard in football, maybe outside of Quentin Nelson. You know, I mean, he's always one or two or three on everybody's list for best guard. So probably him. If not him, I still would say Dak, although you could argue Mike is better at his position than Dak. Dak just plays such a valuable role. Such a much more important position. Yeah. <laughs> so I still would probably put that. But that, that's a but fun the, question. But the fact Zach. that we even have to think fun about question. it. At this at this point in Micah's career, the fact that we're sitting here, like, if you had told me, like, going into the offseason, that's like, Micah Parsons is going to be compared to Lawrence Taylor, I would have thought you were crazy. Like, remember how have you told me he had a better – draft him? Oh, <laughs> dude, I remember – I'll never forget some R Cowboys poster literally posted that he was done rooting for this team because of how bad of a pick that was. Another Vanderesh. Yeah, exactly. Like – Ugh. Speaking no, of man, God. Uh, LVE oh, had another Parsons. rough oh, game. Man. So bad, Vanderesh is so bad. Like, <laughs> Zeke of the defense, you're such a get out of here. <laughs> but Vanderesh is like noticeably a problem. Like he's a liability. He's so, losing oh, money every game. Early when run. he made that stupid attempt to 
act like he was digs and try to make an interception and gave up the he should have made an interception. Bro, he should have made an interception. Have. Yeah, like, yeah, like he, I don't feel like that was a I don't feel like that was a, a very high that Taysom threw a really stupid pass there. He should like, have just cross his body, like the one thing they tell you or never even just, to do. Or knock it down or something, man. Like yeah, anything just, but just watch it zip by your hands and he go jumped for up a completion. For it. Like he was trying to go for it. He just, yeah. You know, he had a really nice game against the Chargers, and that's about the last time I remember LVE being like, well, maybe he could be serviceable this year. You yeah, know? agreed, agreed. Okay, All right, so that so, leaves the GOAT of the game. Let's hear it. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with uh, an unsung hero. I am going with Osa Odigizua. Oh, uh, interesting. I, I think a lot of times, like the DNs, the linebackers, the corners, they get all the shine, right? Like they're out here getting picks. They're out here getting sacks. That's what people want to see. They're the home runs of defense. People want to see people go yard. They want to see bombs. They don't care about the trench work. But uh, Osa Digizua is quietly developing into the best interior defensive lineman on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he had two tackles for loss this game. Uh and for a guy that's like so early in his career, I'm really excited to see uh, what he becomes. I thought he had a great game against the Saints. Uh, he did a great job plugging up holes in the middle. And I'm really excited for these coming weeks where we have packages that are like Tank, Randy, Gallimore, Osa, Parsons, all on the field at the same time. Like, give me a NASCAR package on third down where all five of them are just well, going for the quarterback, dude. And we might get, um, you know, word is Gallimore and Randy could be back as early as this, this week. week. Um, I heard Randy could have played are. against the Saints, but, you know, obviously couldn't because of him being on IR. Yeah, well, that's 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 great to hear. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. You know, Gallimore is a guy that had – Honestly, Osa's had more of a pop his rookie year than Gallimore did, but we still liked what we saw from Gallimore. When so the, the the talk coming out of camp was that Gallimore had taken a huge step. Like he was gonna be, you know, something to watch all year on the defensive line. If nothing uh, else, it gives them depth there and they just you know, they could definitely use that at the defensive tackle position. So. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm giving uh, the goat of this game to Oso Digizua. Um, I hope he balls out this week because we've got a we've got a, a somewhat interesting game coming up this week. Um, so right. obviously, the uh, the the next three games of this uh, schedule have become a lot more uh, interesting than we probably originally thought they were. Obviously, the Cowboys are eight and eight and four. Uh, the Washington football team, who looked totally hapless at the beginning of the year, um, lost Montez Sweat and Chase Young for the season. And then suddenly got halfway decent. Um, they are now six and six, um, despite kind of everyone proclaiming like week two that the Cowboys were going to run away with this division. Uh, Washington technically controls its own destiny right now. If they win out, they will win the NFC East. Um, if they win this game, they will only be one game back with four to go. Um, so we do play Washington at noon uh, in DC. And the next three games are all division games. It's Washington, New York, Washington. Um, you know, at this point, with how the Cowboys have played recently, I don't want to call anything an automatic win, but the Giants are super horrible. They fired Jason Garrett. They've scored one touchdown in their last two games. They've scored 18 touchdowns total in 12 games this season. Um, 
they are just offensively terrible. Uh, but we play Washington this week. Uh, you will see the Taylor Heineke show. Um, Dallas is uh, favored by three and a half, which uh, would probably be closer to a touchdown favorite if we were playing at home, but we're playing in FedEx. Uh, and it should be an interesting game. I don't want to say that it's a uh, a must win, but it does feel like you need to win this game, given what's on the line and how much closer Washington will be to you if uh, if they win this one. No, it's feeling to me like the most important game since the Chiefs game. See, the Chiefs, though, was important for, like, fans. In the grand oh, scheme yeah. of things, it meant zero for us, other than it could have established us as a top team among power rankings, right? But as far as actual impact, you know, it's probably the biggest game this season, I would have to guess, you know. Yeah. I mean, they don't – And it's an interesting matchup because – so last year, the, the Washington owned Dallas. They killed Dallas twice. Antonio Gibson However, pretty much got his whole career made off of. Oh yeah. Us. However, Dak, when he has played, is his Dak's first game of his career was against Washington, and he lost by less than a score. Since then, he has never lost to Washington. Dak is seven and one against Washington. Mm. So, it will be interesting to see which uh, which matchup holds. Is it? what we saw last year or is it what we've seen for the last five years uh, that comes to play with Dak Prescott under center? Um, you know, the, honestly, the only, the only two guys that really concern me on this Washington team are Gibson and scary Terry. Um, I'd like to think that we have the personnel to cover those guys. And with Randy and Gallimore potentially back, uh, I think we're going to see the best version of the Dallas Cowboys pass rush that we've seen all year. Uh, the question will be, can the Dallas Cowboys offense find its footing? Um, Washington defense, uh, you know, they've invested a ton uh, into this defense and particularly the interior of this defensive line with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen has been absolutely balling. Um, that's definitely the strength of this team, I would say. Uh, I, I don't think anyone's going to bat for the fact that Heineke is like the, the greatest uh, quarterback they've ever seen. Um, but Jonathan Allen's got six and a half sacks uh, from the defensive tackle position, and Deron Payne's got two and a half uh, on the other side. Those guys are are feasting. Um, if the Dallas Cowboys offensive line continues to struggle a little bit, especially the McGovern Biotish situation, um, that could have a lot of pressure coming up the gut at him. Well, I mean, I'm last really week, hoping they don't decide to just run up the gut on this team because I think that would be a huge, huge mistake. You know, last year they just absolutely on the trenches against Dallas. Yeah. And that's that's why both those games looked massively lopsided in score at the end. So you can't have that happen again. Um, as Andy said, Chase Young's out for the season. They've actually kind of entered this winning streak without him. Uh, which is also crazy. Mike has had a nicer year than Chase Young had last year. And you remember how nice of a year Chase Ch Young had? Well, and here's the thing. Chase Young, you know, like everyone, obviously it's a huge loss when you lose a player of that caliber, but he wasn't having the the best year this year either. Um, he played nine full games before going out for the season, and he had one and a half sacks, which not what you would expect from kind of like one of, probably one of the most hyped defensive end prospects since 
Clowney, probably. Yeah. Um, not a great year for him. Um, you're going to see a lot of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. You're going to see a lot of Landon Collins, especially like dropping him down into the box, having him come on blitzes. Um, and on the outside, you're going to see a lot of Kendall Fuller attempting to guard whoever is is healthy. I'm hoping we see a more uh, complete health-wise Amari Cooper this week. Um, I know he was hurting last week from his uh, voluntary uh, refusal to get a COVID vaccine and thereby detriment to himself and others. Um, so I'm hoping he's kind of back to, to full strength. Um, yeah. He only played through, what, like 11 snaps last week. Yeah. He did not play a ton. I mean, obviously he had a 12. big impact on that one play. Um, right. But we, we're going to need him. Um, this game is really important. I mean, like I said, the beginning of the year when the Cowboys were rolling and these teams like couldn't tie their shoes, everyone figured we were going to win this division by five games. Um, you still can win this division comfortably, but the next three games are going to determine that very quickly. Um, I it, My gut tells me that Washington's really the only team that's a, a true threat, especially because you play them twice in the next three weeks. Um, but, hey, weirder things have happened. So, I am not concerned about losing the NFC East. That said, I am concerned about losing this game. I don't know if they do. You know, we only scored, what, 18 points against this team last year. But no Dak, so it's way different. Um, I would like to think they can't just abuse our defense the way it was abused last year. Um, now, rookie Diggs did get completely turned around by Scary Terry a couple times last year. We'll see what they do with 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 that but outside of him they really don't have any receiving options that even remotely scare you um heineke's okay he's not great this defense gets enough takeaways and dak i'm still heineke plays like prison ball you know what i mean like he runs around (laughs) it is it's like he he runs around and plays like flag football effectively like it's it's very much playground style play um these these guys can be beat i mean obviously they're six and six they've They've gotten beat by some bad teams. Um, they've looked better as of late, um, but I I do believe that the, the Dallas Cowboys can definitely beat this team. Um, you know they're, they're coming. They're this a playoff team, is, team right now. By uh, they they pretty much today, rely on keeping games low scoring. That's their their mantra. They've won their last two games against the Seahawks and the Raiders, seventeen to fifteen. They try to keep the scoring below thirty. Um, yeah, so we got to put points on the board, gentlemen. If there's ever a time for the offense to find itself again, this would be a great week to do it. With that said, does anyone have a prediction for this matchup? You know, I'm just say I'm not that worried. It depends mm. to me entirely on our offense because they have been winning. I mean, the not to say the wrong word. The uh, football team has been winning mm-hmm. recently just yeah, by time we not, possession. We are not racist yep. on this show, so be careful, yeah. Zach. The, Let's, uh, yeah, I want to throw out there also that like beating this team is about football, but it's also about the fact that this team and this organization are just disgusting human beings. They are racist. They are sexist tool bags. Uh, Whatever happened only- with them being raided by the FBI? 
Uh, those papers are under <laughs> under deep lock and files with the deep. Well, within the, the, deep the raid, the, the FBI raid was about one of their trainers selling drugs, and he's in jail. So, okay. um, you know, their owner. Uh, I love telling this story. Their owner, Dan Snyder, got invited to the um, Halloween party of the owner of the Saints. He arrived at a different NFL owner's house who owns a more successful franchise than him. And when the door opened, he was like, hey, Dan, great to see you. And Dan said, uh, actually, I prefer if people call me Mr. Snyder. And the owner of the Saints said, well, this is my house, so I'm going to call you Dan. And Dan Snyder took his family and left. So he is <laughs> the biggest bitch boy there's ever been in he the also, time. Reportedly an ex-secretary um, or assistant there said that he once <laughs> told him told her not to look at him in the eyes <laughs> like that's Bro, so he's straight, a psycho straight psychopath stuff he, he wants to I mean, be Jerry laughing, Jones so bad crazy. and he basically just has all the bad qualities of jerry with none of the good ones which is a horrible human being like that's a really bad combination to and create he made, like all the cheerleaders of. get naked and take pictures and, he's and then send all the pictures psycho. and videos to all his buddies like john gruden yeah He's a scumbag. So every time he loses, okay, for for people that are maybe on the other side of, of the discussion from us and don't care about any of those things, when 9-11 happened, Dan Snyder raised all the ticket prices at FedEx claiming that they needed to have enhanced security for terrorism and then did not make any in security improvements. So he literally monetized 9-11 to make more money. He is the biggest scumbag there's ever been. He also made his fortune in junk mail and spam robot calls. He's like a supervillain. He's like the worst human being. So I would love to kick this team's ass. So sorry to interrupt you, Zach. You were going to get to your. So the only thing that would be worried me is three and outs. Yeah. Because our team is, I mean, I believe our defense can easily stop them. But those short little plays every now and then, they seem to yeah. catch us off guard. And that's what the football team excels. That's what Washington's good at. And so if we have two, three and outs, I could easily see us going 12 minutes where we do six plays and they have the ball yeah. the rest of the time. And they just, they keep us off the field. And the few times we get the field, it's just, we go three and out. And like, that is how we would lose. Like, I'm not worried about them making those big plays about it ever being a shootout, anything like that. It's just whether or not our offense can keep themselves on the field for any length of time. Agreed. But so where 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 you where do you land on points? I really want to say we beat them by like thirty five. I really nice. want to. Like I really I want it. to say that we. It's the same as the other two division games. Like it's not even close. But uh, I'm gonna go twenty eight fourteen. Nice. Wow. Like, not what I was hoping, but Jeez, what, the, what, you, what do you feel? Win. What are you feeling, Ben? If they win twenty-eight to fourteen, I will. I will buy you your next meal. A parcel we have together. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll see. There, this game, it, this game's going to be ugly, just because that's what this offense has been, in my opinion. I, I, I can't imagine. The only thing that gives me solace is that they are finally. We keep talking about when Dallas gets all its pieces, when Dallas gets all its pieces. This should be the first week that they have pretty much everybody. 
yep. to play with. So, yeah, Zeke's a little banged up. We'll see about him. But just about, I mean, he's still going to play. Everyone's going to play. So, I just think talent-wise, they just have way more talent than Washington, and so that will win out. I don't think it'll be pretty. I think it'll be 24-20 game. They'll get the one big play they need from Amari or CD or Pollard. Somebody will bust, you know, the occasional Amari is a football team killer for sure. Yeah, he they'll get putting on a show. They'll get the one or two takeaways they need. They'll win turnover differential by one or two. Um and I think they just do enough. I, I don't think it's ever gonna be I think it looks a lot like last week, honestly. They win. I, I just don't think it'll be it'll be nice. So until the offense starts humming again, I, I really just can't put full confidence in them to to put up the thirty five points we are seeing early in the year. So yeah, I'm going I'm going twenty four twenty, big road win. But that said, talking about both sides of my mouth, I, I'm not I'm not gonna be shocked and depressed if they lose this because I, I have I have faith that they're winning this okay. division hands down. But All I right. think they will. I like it. Logical, measured. So. In the light of the uh, weird performance against New Orleans, and then after I had seen all the success of the Las Vegas Raiders magical coin, I decided to get my own damn magical coin and figure out what the <laughs> Cowboys were going to do for the rest of the year. So I got the most mystical coin you can come across, uh, which is clearly a 2015. Good year. Uh, North Carolina state quarter. Um, obviously 2015 because that's the year Romo got hurt. North Carolina because uh, North Carolina beat us really bad that year. Um, I flipped this coin for all the remaining games. We are winning this game. We're winning the next three. Uh, I think we will see a. I I fully expect no matter what the outcome of this year is. Like I know the Cowboys. They can't just like let you down slow. Like if they were just gonna like slowly degrade into being shitty, that's just not the Cowboys style. They got to give you that one more burst of hope. And I think that starts this week. I think the Cowboys are gonna put on a show. They're gonna look like the Cowboys of the first couple months yet again. Maybe not all the way, but like they're gonna put up points. Uh, so I'm gonna say that they win this game, uh, 31-14. They walk. They pretty much walk all over these guys, um, and uh, everyone gets hype again. And then we can start talking about when the inevitable crash will will come. But I fully expect uh, a vintage uh, early twenty twenty one Dak Prescott performance, um, so and probably just... uh, probably another great game from Pollard. Honestly, I think Pollard's gonna gonna show out. You think this usage? is the the get back game the get right game for this offense 10 days of rest i do everyone healthy yeah. they had they had three games in 12 days i think they they were missing like half their coaching staff they had to go on the road in a hostile environment that they never score points in they've taken a lot of shit all week from the media i think they're going to go up to dc and put on a show and i think they're going to continue that road show for the next two weeks then i think they'll lose a squeaker to the cardinals They'll beat Philly, and they'll go into the playoffs. And I think we're going to win a couple. So we'll cross that bridge mm. when we get there. I think this for this week, Cowboys. They get, this is the get right game, the get back game. Uh, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. You heard it here first. Cowboys thirty one, 
Washington football team 14. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, with a, with a gap like that, I ought to bet on this game. <laughs> and you would, you would be correct. Uh, those kind of opportunities don't come along that very often. And coincidentally, opportunities like this don't come along very often because it's not every day that you can double your money. With my bookie, you double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With my bookie's double deposit bonus, when you sign up at mybookie.ag and use promo code BOYS100, you'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and even casino options to choose from. So you get killed at those noon games. Just play online Baccarat all evening and lose your rent. Like, what what more could you ask for? Um, set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when you use promo code BOYS100 at MyBookie. That's promo code BOYS100 to double your initial deposit all the way up to a fat stack, $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Hell yeah. So yeah, boys, I'm stoked. Well I'm glad we got the noon game. I like, uh, well I kind of like noon games every once in a while. Uh, obviously primetime games are sick, but I do enjoy it when I don't have to wait all day and I don't have to like freak out and like get the nerves up. I just like wake up, go work out, eat some lunch and then the game's on. That's excellent. Um, this, and this is a great weekend for sports. We got this noon game, the final race of the F1 season, with Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen tied at 369 and a half points each. One of the most exciting seasons of Formula One in a decade. It's going to be a great Sunday. I'm very stoked. Well said. Well said, sir. So there you heard it. Your three co-hosts once again picking Cowboy wins. Um, what do you know? <laughs> what, what a dink. So, oh, all right, boys. Anything else? No, just a little bets will be bets, my friend. Indeed. Bets will be bets. Brought to you by the good folks at MyBookie. Yes. Right, thank ben, you. What, are you. what are you feeling this week? Well, I'll tell you what. We had a decent week last weekend, and we went two and two. For us, that's, that's decent. Um, we hit our nice little teaser, our new teaser strategy, uh, where we take um, – seven and a half to eight and a half point home favorites we tease and we tease one and a half to two and a half point underdogs code we've hit that like both that. times this year ever since i uh shamelessly stole that for some famous gambler so hey man great artist steal so this week we have a few of those two point underdogs although one of them andy had to talk me out of maybe but dude baltimore is giving two and a half to cleveland yeah, that's a, um, that's a weird one. I I know Baltimore hasn't been that pretty, and the Lamar just came off a four pick game. Do they just all Baltimore does is win? Like and I don't care. And they're playing. They're like, playing they in win. Cleveland, so I get it. But like, yeah, I I would guess Baltimore on that one, frankly. I would too. So we can tease that because it does follow our standard. But if you if you want that outright, that's 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 the favorite one that that caught my eye this no, week. I, I like that. I'll tell you what else I like. Uh, yeah, Cardinals are minus three against the Rams. And I like the Cardinals in that. Yeah, I saw that. They're a home team. Um, I could be talked into that. I was going to see if that line moved to like two and a half and tease it. But uh, we'll see. Um, I, Do you have I, any thoughts on the uh, San Francisco the versus Cincinnati coin flip game? Uh, I do not. 
I I don't know. The Bengals are the Bengals have moved into that territory of team I hate to bet. We bet them last week to cover three, and they lost. So yeah, I, I just smashed. I, after just dismantling the two teams they played before. So I don't know. I can't trust Cincinnati. I don't know what to make of them. It seems like they can beat anyone by twenty and lose to anyone by ten. So. Yeah, they're, there's some weird, weird ones this team. week. Now that I'm looking at it, but like the like the Buffalo plus three and a half at Tampa game, I'm like, well, Buffalo did not look great last night, but that was weird. I I first jumped on. I liked Buffalo as a dog in that one because I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really think Tampa needs the win either, and Buffalo is really pushed against the wall now. Um, yeah, I agree. I feel like they need it more, and so they might get it, but. Brady at home's been just an absolute animal, so I also feel like I don't like betting. I feel like we got this week. We got to build some of those uh, ridiculous parlay bets that are like twelve legs, and you put like a dollar on them, and you win like fifteen grand if they all hit. Those sound so fun. We should do that again. All right, yeah, we'll 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 figure that out. I'm I'm all about it. Um, fade the Jets this week. Saints are still five point favorite of the Jets. The Jets got their ass kicked by Minshew, which we did bet on goat. Um, as always, I, I encourage everyone to fade the Jets. It's made me and Andy. It's, it's a time honored strategy. I don't care yeah, what I the mean, line is, just fade them. It will the, happen. The, the Jets being within five points of any team in the National Football League <laughs> seems like a hilarious, just uh, almost impossibility. And look, so New I'm, Orleans I'm about it. New Orleans isn't losing six in a row. They're just not. It's just you know, they have to get a get right game. That's their get right game. So, um, you know, outside of that, I I really. I don't know that. Like I said, Baltimore was my favorite bet. We'll tease a couple of those two and a half, six and a half. I um, I'm I kind of tempted by the the Chargers Giants game because the Giants have so little ability to score points. Like they're legitimately one of the worst offenses in football. Yeah, they're ten and a half point favorites, so I could buy that. But I don't know. The Giants are so bad. They're not even going to have Glennon or Daniel Jones, right? They're going to start. Um, their third stringer. What's his face? Yeah, I don't know who it is. You don't know who it's somebody funny, but um, I'll look it up later. Um, so anyway, I know I didn't give I didn't give him a lot goat, but uh, this is this is a little tougher week. So I I, like I said, give me Baltimore. It's Jake Fromm. Yes, that is funny. (laughs) That is oh, guy who said only uh elite white people should own guns. Yes, nice, correct. (laughs) Yeah, he's a winner. Nice. Well, I forgot about that actually. Um, well, like I said, give me Dallas. Give me the Ravens. And if I had to go another, then yeah, we'll take uh, we'll take the Chargers to cover ten. Why not? I like it. I like it. And the yeah, Giants, I'll, uh, the Giants I'll start building. I'll figure out like a twelve bet parlay for us to throw three dollars at. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, That'd be fun. Maybe just money line in a bunch of really crazy games. Yeah, there's so many huge spreads this week that it feels like it should be a good week for the favorites. You know, I really want Green Bay, but 12 and a half against the Bears. That just shows you how little people think of the Bears now. And Green Bay might cover that still. They always do. Oh, yeah, They're, for sure. So I almost feel like I want to do like Baltimore money line, Dallas money line. Tennessee money line, Chiefs money line, Saints money line, Seattle money line. 
and then Green Bay money line, and then call that, throw five bucks at that ridiculous parlay and make $500. All right. I'm down. See if we can win some units back. We, uh, hell yeah. We're down a little bit this year, boys. Um, but I don't know. It's never too late to turn it around, especially with those great offers that are friends from my bookie. So thank you. Hey, it's all, it's, uh, I compare sports betting to playing golf. Like you can have the shittiest day playing golf. And then on like the 18th hole, you'll just like, stroke a ball so clean off uh, like off the fairway and you'll be like man golf's pretty cool for like 10 minutes that's my experience because i hate golf i know it's different for you ben but like no that's very much gambling is also can work the other way where you absolutely want to pull your hair out i had okie state money line and they lost by inches so i wanted to kill myself after that we got to just start fading that dude on TikTok, lines with Trent. I've never seen a guy, a mush like that. That guy's a legend. Like, people have literally made thousands of dollars just taking whatever this dude is betting on and flipping it. And then <laughs> he's always wrong every single time. That, this dude, yeah, I told you this earlier today, but like yeah. on Saturday night, he made some 14 parlay of college, random college basketball games and put 100 bucks on it. And some random dude who had never bet before in his life put a hundred dollars on exactly the opposite bets and made $14,000. Like it's so ridiculous. I love it. So, all right, boys, anything else before we get out of here for the week? No, let's, let's go get this W. Yes. Let's get this. Let's get this bread. Let's get this cheese. Let's get this dub. So as always folks, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, If you've liked what you heard, please feel free to like subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating. It helps us climb the charts on Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you consume podcasts. Uh, if you'd like to shoot us a, a question, a comment, a criticism, um, a, you know, a mean-spirited insult about uh, how we sound or our knowledge on sports, uh, reach out to us via one of our uh, many social media platforms or shoot us an email if you're a boomer at uh, boyswillpod at gmail.com. As always, folks, I'm Andy Gatelli. Benjamin Walker. Zachary Love. This has been Boys Will Be Boys. We'll be back next week after the Washington game. Take it easy. Peace.